With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
welcome to the Scoop Radio Show. This is Winfred Burns II, your co-host, and I am glad you are with us tonight. We've got a great show tonight, and I hope you are ready because I am. So tonight, real quick, just to let you know, uh, we've got, of course, news with uh, Rashad because he's going to give us what's the latest in the news. And tonight's topic, we are going to be talking about how do you know if you're really supposed to be together? And we're going to be talking to Stephen Thurston. Those of you all who don't know, uh, who Stephen is, you are in for a great treat tonight. We're going to be talking about how do you know that you are compatible with your mate. Plus, of course, Scoop Nation, y'all going to give us the hot topic. Um, so we're going to be getting that in. And, uh, of course, we got a whole lot more. So, and Mr. List is in the building tonight. So uh, we got a good show tonight. We got some good music tonight. Um, if you, as always, if you've got question or comment, questions or comment, comment, call us at 929 929- Four seven seven two three zero four. That's nine two nine four seven seven two three zero four. Press the number one to let us know that you have a question or comment. So call into the number and press the number one, and that lets us know that you have a question or comment that you want to say on the air. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and get in. But before we do, let me say what's up to my good people, um, and then we're gonna jump straight into this show. So what's going on? Welcome back, Miss Q Willis. Of elegance by hey, hey. How you doing? Yeah, you took I you took off on us last week. Yeah, you took you took off I, on us last week, and and I, I see all the haters were uh, hating last week because you're gone. But that's all right. That's okay. <laughs> they like now that's the they love. Like you. That's just love, and I missed y'all back. You did a good job last week. You really, really did. But like I said, Mama's home now, and I missed y'all. So I'm happy to be back <laughs> and really, really excited. <laughs> to be back for this particular show on this week with all that we've got going on. So, yeah, I'm here. I'm happy. Mm. I'm home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's now, don't okay. stop flipping and, and re-hate now. You can't recycle the uh-huh. hate. You just welcome me back and let's keep pushing. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. I'm going to do that. All right. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad, I'm glad you're back, too, so. Um, so that's cool. And what's going on, Cuzzo? Mr. Rashad Ray Chan Chandler, how you doing, my man? What's happening, man? What's happening? You you good? You ready to go? Yeah, I was tired, boss, but uh, I was here. <laughs> you sound like you, man. What they, they how you, what they how you doing today, man? I'm pooped. They working? I'm still pooped from homecoming, man. Yeah, y'all got it in. There was a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, we did. There was 20 million different yeah. places to be at one time, seemed like. Mm-hmm. And I felt yeah. like I was at all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Hey, but you're not, you're not, you got, you're not 18 anymore. You can't hang out all night, man. Get up. I believe that's what it equates to. Yeah, I believe that's what it equates to. Out trying to yeah, be I young think. and. uh the only thing going on is the song in my head that I'm forever young. Other than that, <laughs> these bones, this body say, no, you're not, bro. No, no, you're not. All that staring up to four in the morning, that's not your thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. Nah, I ain't mad at you. I understand. I understand. All right. Well, we got a good show tonight, um, and we've got a lot to do tonight, so we're not going to belabor the time. We're going to go ahead and jump into this news. And we're going to get to getting it. So go ahead, Cuzzo, take us away. All right. So in our news, the first one I want to start with is in the NBA. 
And my little internet will be dragging right there. Here we go. Come on, come on. My man, Eric Bledsoe, seems he has played his final game with the Phoenix Suns because his coach was fired and he sent an untimely timed tweet that said, I just don't want to be here no more. When questioned as to why he would send that tweet, he stated that he was in the beauty salon with his girlfriend. The boss has talked it over. They said they don't believe it. He's on the trading block. Fair or unfair? <laughs> <laughs> and this really happened. This is not a joke. It's just funny that, yeah. like, tweeting to really get you fired. But yeah. fair or unfair? Uh, do, well, do you believe him? Do you believe he was in the beauty salon, or do you believe this was lashing out because his coach got fired? I'll let you handle that one first. So I have to ask a, a question before I respond to this. You know me, I need some context. Now, I thought I saw on one of the po- on one of the posts where you shared this, where you said that he's had some previous um, rants or it was not a secret that he was not happy where he currently was. Is that is that accurate? Uh, some accuracy to that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I could go with that. Okay. So if there is management knew that he was unhappy and at any point had had expressed that publicly and they had advised him, you know, keep it in the house for one way or the other, kind of like with the whole, uh, no, not like with Joel, not like with her, um, Jamel. But if they had told him, we'll have to deal with this in house, and he kept talking about it, and like to me, like. Do I believe? Do I believe he was there? No, I don't. <laughs> just, just, just to answer your question, no, I don't. I think he said that after the fact. Now, like, had he had posted a photo with him, like posted up next to the beauty salon chair, like you know, a lot of boyfriends do, or in the nail salon, and you know, like, oh my God, the miserable photo. Maybe that would have helped drive his point home a little bit more. But I think that that was the story that was probably told to try and take some of the heat off. But after. <laughs> But it all was said and done, you know, it seemed like he didn't really care too much either. He was he was pretty happy to go after reading that article. It was like, well, we'll keep it moving. And everybody was everybody. Everything was everything on there. Because, uh, I'm not buying it. He meant, he meant this. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, he meant this. He meant this. Come on. Right. He meant this. See, I didn't want to he just it. Like, nah, bro. No, he meant that. He meant, he meant <laughs> he us. I'm tired. Listen, Roping on the team. He was in the beauty salon, bro. He's been on the team for several years. He's been on the team for several They ain't, listen, they ain't won so much as, they ain't sniffed the playoffs since he's been there. He done been there for the Hornet, the Hornet Shack, the uh, Earl Watt. He's listening. Dude is like, look, I know I'm making fifteen million. I'm about to make fifteen million, but I just want to win. I want to He oh. meant it. Now here's the problem. Here's what's funny about it. If you, the article says the article says that that the one team that's called so he wants to win. But the but the funny part about the article says that the one team that's looking for him is a team that's actually worse than the team that he plays for. So. He could literally go from a bad team to a terrible team and still 
not win anything. I feel bad for him. Cool the Bulls. No, they talking about him going to the Knicks. Uh, so is that worse than the Bulls? Yeah. I thought we was the worst yeah, team I mean, in the I'm NBA. Just, well, no, I'm saying I'm talking about from a, a Suns team that's that's not good to the Knicks that's not good. Those are two terrible teams. So yeah, I mean he might make the playoffs with the Knicks because they're in the East, but it, no, yeah. So I, I don't know, but he meant that. I don't care what he meant it. Just say you meant it. My live feed isn't feeling it either. Teresa says no. He he sounds like he got caught. <laughs> is what is what Teresa says. She's not feeling the whole in the nail shop story either. Right. Nope. He wanted look, she he got, he really called the cookie jar. He didn't right. think they he didn't <laughs> right. think the manager was looking at his tweets. Oh and he did like um, all of oh no, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about my ex. That's who I was talking about. What? It was what? it wasn't about you, baby. That was my hey, you I tell you what, bro, put the rap on that because that sound good to me. Yeah. Like it sound good yeah. to me. I'm buying it. I'm yeah. buying it. I'm sold. I'm a customer. He was in the shop. Why, you know what? Those fumes get on my nerves too. <laughs> on the Sunday. On the Sunday. Wait, did they specify what, whether it was a hair shop or a no. nail shop? Because we got to get our story together so we can stick by it. Because <laughs> if it's a hair shop, if it's a hair shop, then you know I was tired of hearing the cattiness too. I'm with Eric. If it's the nail shop, the fumes. It's all about the fumes. I can't do the fumes. Uh-huh. So yeah, free Eric. Yeah, okay. He's gonna be free in a minute. A free agent. Well, yeah, he's free, all right. <laughs> Free to play where he won't. Yeah. Better he better share a pick so we know his real next time. He left too much for interpretation with simple right. words. <laughs> we gotta go. Right. We gotta go fast. Yeah. Hey, right. I mean honestly though, I done seen too many detective shows now. If he was real about it, he'd have told him ping my phone. Ping where I was when I did it. Stop That's what you anything. need to do. Drop a pin, you know. Ping, ping, me, baby. And it's gonna say Riri's hair salon or or, or, or ping ping fingernails. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, he gotta do better though. Next time I'm gonna need him yeah. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but from I a, thought from it was spot on, on, but at the same time, in hindsight, no. <laughs> No, you wanted to leave. I think we got to. On a serious note, I mean, I think again, once again, this is a an opportunity for people for us to learn. Look, social. You know, we we don't. I don't think we really still have yet understood the seriousness of social media, especially when you are working for somebody else. I mean, we talked about it with Jamel Hill. We talked about it in this instance. You know, two different issues, but again, both go back to how what you post on social media, especially when you work for somebody else and somebody else has some say so over what you do, how it can affect it can affect whether that's right or wrong or whether we agree or disagree. It is what it is. And I think he has to he has you know, we gotta think about that uh before we start posting stuff. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Social media is killing careers daily. <clears throat> All right, what else we got? All right, so from giggles to huh, Ohio <laughs> State 
sued over refusal to let white nationalists speak. An associate organizer, I'm sorry, an associate and organizer of campus tours for white nationalists, Richard Spencer, sued Ohio State University in federal court uh, after school officials refused to rent campus space to Spencer to speak. Um, fair or foul? <laughs> I mean, does he have a right to sue because he gets to speak his piece too, or because his piece isn't peaceful, does he not get to speak that to the kids? Does the venue matter? I mean, like, I'm kind of going into my answer, but (laughs) go ahead. What's your answer? I mean, my answer is how you gonna how you gonna bombard a place that is, a, one, a, high, a higher education uh, institute, you know, and then, like, these are kids, impressionable minds. So, like, whether they're considered grown or not, they're still kids. And you can't just go up there and put your story on a platform like that. Just like I would say the same thing if somebody was, like, an elitist that was black and they just pressing, you know, uh, 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 all the way black and hate everything else type message, no, don't do that at the campus. Go get you an event center or something like that that's off, and then you can invite people and the word to get to the campus, but, again, don't go to the campus advertising either. Let those people make those decisions on their own. Don't be the person that's impressionable to them and bringing it right to their door. That's my issue with it. I don't care about his message. He has the right to say what he wants. But to me, my issue is, how do you pick and choose the place, especially a place that's an institute of education? That's my problem. All right, hold on. We got a caller real quick. Let me take let me take the caller real quick. All right, uh, call is zero nine five nine. What's your question or comment? Call is zero nine five nine. What's your question or comment? All right. Okay. Call us back. Right. All right. Q, what was your question? I think the school has every right to deny renting him that space. Um, I I do because it's, they have to think about the overall message of their, that's not a, a public space like a library. I wouldn't, I mean, I can't get it. I don't know for sure. I don't want to speak out of turn as far as the legality of it because I almost said that and I'm thinking to myself well they're they're state funded they could all be state funded one way or the other so because I heard Ohio State but regardless overall as far as overall um, protection of the students their mission statement the the they I believe that they should have the right to say no we will not rent this space we will not allow this on our campus, we don't want this here. Like, and, and I agree with what Rashad said, just like it would be with any other um, group that had any type of extremist view that would sway the school one way or the other. Now, I mean, would stir up that type of chaos on campus. Now, <clears throat> I say that, but then I also say now, if this person, if they were, um, if say if one of the, the, the programs there at the school or a professor asked, them to come and speak for a part of a course or something like that, I think that he should have every, you know, then that at that point is a part of whatever, you know, whether I agree with it or not, that's a part of the curriculum 
that said professor is, you know, set for their students, so then that could open a whole other can of worms as opposed to the students just not wanting them there. Um, and that's a part of the school, doing school business, as opposed to him wanting to put himself there. Um, that's totally different to me. So, no, I think he can sue all he wants to. People sue for stuff all the time. But is he going to win? I don't necessarily know how productive that's going to be as far as winning. But I, I see why the school said no. I would have said no. I'm not, I'm not here for that. Mm-mm. So, all right. so, this is, so, so the lawsuit is, I was just looking it up real quick, the lawsuit, what he's suing, now mind you, um, this is the, there are six other schools that, that have denied, um, that have denied Richard Spencer uh, um, the opportunity to speak. What Ohio State did was they denied him based upon, um, their reasoning was they don't believe that they can accommodate his request without substantial risk to public safety. And so I think under those, they might be okay um, because mm-hmm. they have um, because of what happened in Charlottesville and Richard Spencer was part of the group that organized um, uh, the Charlottesville stuff. So because of that, they have precedence to say that this is something that happens when this person comes to town, and when they come to town, we don't have the you know enough security to do that. So they might be okay um, because Ohio State is an actual public university. I think. That's the only reason why, meaning that they're federally funded, state funded. That that's the only reason why I think they could even bring this this entire um, this entire mm-hmm. uh, lawsuit up. He's suing them under the First Amendment right, of course. Um, so yeah, I think Ohio State would be fine. Um, but it, it it you know I'm okay with it. I've never like I've never cheered for Ohio State for anything because I'm I'm a Michigan fan. I don't like Ohio State, but on this <laughs> one, I'm hoping. Okay. I'm hoping Ohio State <laughs> because I do not, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, he needs to go ahead somewhere and have a seat. So I'm, I'm, I'm with. I'm with. I'm with other people. I want him to come. Come to Chicago on the South Side, bro. Bring it. Yeah, for real. He doesn't want to go there. They're not even interested in space, don't you? That's the furthest from their mind. Um, Teresa says, we as a society pick and choose freedom of speech, and it's sad, <clears throat> and I agree with that. And she also says, would we allow ISIS to come speak if they said they would be peaceful? Um, and I don't think we would. You know what I mean? Just because we say we're going to be peaceful, that you can't really determine the outcome of those people that are invited on your behalf. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure that's what Ohio was pretty much standing on. They knew that, that, that one their students weren't going to go for that on their campus, too. The people that were coming to the campus were going to raise all kinds of hell, and they were not prepared to safeguard themselves from that type of chaos um, because then that even puts them in a whole other realm of liability, having whole new people on the campus. Like, there is a whole gamut of reasons in which with Charlottesville being so fresh, I I, I agree with you. I, I think it's be easier for them to make the case for safety than it possibly could have been in the past. <clears throat> Crazy nonetheless. We'll keep up with that one. What else we got, Cuzzo? Uh, well, of course, I always end up finding me a, a sneaker in there. Four changes to the Mega Millions that you'll need to know. Oh, 
Let me see here. One, higher ticket prices. Two, bigger starting jackpots. Three, different odds. And four, new options for initially Georgia, Massachusetts, Nebraska, Ohio, South Dakota, and Texas. And this starts Saturday. So for the lotto heads, life is changing. And the price now... Going for the price of a ticket will cost twice as much. Tickets will go up to $2, and players will be able to purchase tickets for up to 14 consecutive draws. I mean, that ain't bad, bad. I play every once in a while when I feel lucky. But, uh, yeah. What y'all think about that lotto players at all? I know you ain't, Pastor, so you don't speak on this one. Hallelujah. No, yeah, I, I don't. Play, I don't play the lotto. <laughs> uh, I, I, but I. But I say this. I think. I say this. I went to to a convenience store last week or something like that, and saw the cost of cigarettes, and realized that if people still smoke at the price charged for a carton <laughs> of cigarettes now, that they can charge they can cost put them things in pretty much whatever they want people are gonna still do it so I mean, those prices now are astronomical like that's ridiculous for some for some squares yeah I, I don't know. <laughs> the loose square business should be popping right now is all I'm saying <clears throat> so I don't know it's true that is true they are expensive I should be the loose square man at my job <clears throat> Um, I don't play the lottery re- like regularly at all. I joined the little pool that some of our friends had here locally when there was the super jackpot a few months back. Um, and like with like we put in a five dollar pool type thing. <clears throat> but like they had to babysit me through that whole process because I have I don't think in my entire adult life I've done anything bigger than a scratch off, like in route to somewhere else. You know how you just grab the little random scratch-offs at the gas station on a road trip? Like, that's probably the most I've done, and that's been many, many moons. So, now it sounds, I mean, uh, Danny on the post says that these are all old people's states, and the old folks always win. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and that's very, that could very well be why I haven't played, because, you know, I'm not in that realm yet. But, um, yeah, I think it's $2. I don't know, is that expensive for a ticket? I'm not really sure um, what that range is supposed to be. As far as the cigarettes thing that you were talking about, when that does vary depending upon where you are also. I think cigarettes are expensive all the way around, but I think in the places like Chicago, I know my dad way back when, this is probably six or so years ago, when he smoked cigarettes still, a box of, I mean, a pack of Newports was like $11, $12 for one pack of Two. cigarettes. Yeah, so like in here, in here, like $7, something like that now. It's not, we haven't gotten to that range. So it's expensive, but it definitely varies depending on where you are. Um, so, yeah, that one I can speak to, but not so much the lottery. <laughs> if you do the lottery, you have to call in or, or comment on the live and let us know how you feel about the lottery changes. <laughs> I can't do it. I, I, Mm-hmm. If cheeseburger, like, if McDonald's cheeseburger ever got that expensive, I'd stop eating them. I just can't do it. It's just, I can't do it. I'm not, ju- I don't judge, I'm not judging or condemning anybody who smokes or plays the lotto. But you know, once it gets to a certain price, I'd be like, I, I'm good. But you know, 
Mm-mm. A pack of cigarettes costs the same as a bottle of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> a whole bottle. That's the decision. That's when you got to make some serious life decisions right there. Life decisions, yes. Do I get this or do I get that? So, all right, cool. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this first song. Oh, no, didn't you forget to do something? You got something? Yeah, so that segment was brought to us by the good people at Cool Kids. We throw parties. We know how to get your party started. So, holler at us. That is me, myself, and... Yeah, you can get at me on Facebook, and um, yeah, there we go. So, our song is Born to Win, Romandis Moore. BJ McKenzie? BJ? Yeah. Uh-oh.
All right. <clears throat> All right. That was uh, Born to Win with B.J. McKenzie. Um, real quick, if you guys have not heard, um, to starting today, going until 7 o'clock tomorrow, there is a flash sale going on for uh, the Kirby Kitten Black Cat Party. So you want to make sure you get those tickets. Uh, it's 25% off. It's this Saturday in Oklahoma City. So if you're in Oklahoma City this Saturday, you definitely want uh, to be uh, there for uh, for that. So go to eventbrite.com, uh, Black Cat uh, Party Fashion Party in Oklahoma City, and get your 25% off tickets. Only until tomorrow at 7 o'clock can you get those, and then the prices go back up to regular price. So make sure you get those. I'm looking forward to this weekend. All right. You go ahead. Well, that's on me, actually. I'm sorry. All right. So um, next we have, we're have we going to get into tonight's topic. I'm sorry. I'm so used to you doing this part. Um, so tonight we got to uh, – Sorry. Uh, so tonight we got a very good guest tonight, interesting guest tonight. Uh, we've got Stephen Thurston. Uh, we're going to be talking about relationship compatibility. How do you know if you are you and your partner or mate are supposed to be together? Um, so for those who don't know, have not been introduced to Stephen Thurston, I've been sharing his videos for you guys to kind of get used to him, but he is the executive pastor of Salem Baptist Church. He's also um, a, uh, excuse me, a counselor, project manager, little, does a little bit of everything. Um, so I want to introduce to the Scoop Nation, Mr. Stephen Thurston. How you doing, my brother? I'm great, sir. How are you? I am good. Thanks for being on tonight. Um, so Man, real quick, before we jump into this interview, uh, go ahead and let, uh, if there's any other information that you want our uh, our listening audience to know about you, go ahead and drop, drop in the information real quick. Sure. Uh, everybody can follow me on Facebook at Stephen Thurston, Instagram, Stephen J. Thurston. That's the best way to stay connected with me and what I'm doing. All right. All right, cool. All right, so real quick, um, let's go ahead and get into this topic. So tonight um, we're talking, like I said, about how do we know if we're compatible? How do we know if uh, you and your partner should be together? Uh, and one of the things I think um, that uh, that we're that we question a lot, especially as singles, is to make sure that we are not uh, with somebody who we can't grow into our future with or who we're not compatible with. What are some of the things that you look for or that you suggest? singles look for when determining if them and their partner are really a good fit for one another? Man, that's an amazing question. It's a great question to ask. And I've got uh, I've got five signs for females and five signs for guys for you to know if he or she is a keeper. Um, so I can start with the, the he side. Uh, five signs to know that he's a keeper. Number one, he's a servant. Uh, so you've got to look at, ladies, how he spends his time. Does he serve? Does he volunteer? Does he mentor? Is he willing to put others' needs and concerns before his own? Number two, does he tell the truth? Uh, because people can't consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with who they are. Somebody who's a keeper will tell you the truth all the time, even if it may hurt you. And number three, he takes the lead. He's going to make you as a female feel comfortable submitting to him and following him. Not that he's trying to boss you or control you, but he's going to take initiative. He's going to set the standard, the tone, and the flow. Uh, number four, he only has eyes for you. Uh, he avoids situations that might tempt him. And I know a lot of ladies are like, nah, that's not possible. He can't only have eyes for me. Yeah, it's true. Uh, there's a way that that can happen. He tries to live his life where it's above reproach. 
And it's kind of like when I go to certain restaurants. If I go to Cheesecake Factory, if y'all have been there, you know it has a massive menu. Mm-hmm. And I find myself scrolling through that menu every time I sit down. But guess what? Every time I order, I order the same thing, the teriyaki chicken. And so though I may mm-hmm. look at everything, I only touch one thing. And so, ladies, if he can literally only have eyes for you if you're the one that's actually captured his heart. And then number five, he has a life map. He's a keeper because he has goals and ambition. He's got a strategic plan to achieve those goals. It's not just talk, but he's willing to put some stuff down in writing. He's willing to make some some steps outside of his comfort zone to get some stuff done. So those are five quick signs to know that he's a keeper. Hmm. You got questions? You want me to jump into the signs for the females? How do you know that she's a keeper? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Bring the good news. We need to know. <laughs> All right. Number one, uh, she takes a genuine interest in your interest. Excuse me. If it's something that her man is passionate about, she'll make an effort. And listen, ladies, guys notice that and they appreciate it. I ride horses, so normally the first date for me is to take my lady or potential lady to the stable, to the barn. Um, see if she can hang out with me there, see if she's willing to ride, even just to give it a try, even if it's just the only time we go. She takes an interest in my interest. Number two, she respects your independence. She's not blowing your phone up every time you go out and hang out with the fellas, but she recognizes and supports and accepts that her man has a life outside of their relationship. And she's also able to do that because she has her own goals and ambition uh, and is positively motivated to go after some things on her own, to create her own existence, her own life outside of the life of the relationship. Number three, she feels safe expressing her feelings and thoughts. Um, She's not punishing you and you're not punishing her for being honest, for expressing hurt, expressing pain, expressing joys, being honest about thoughts and feelings. It's an open space. Uh, Number four, she gets along with your friends and family. She doesn't just mm. coexist, but she actually makes an effort to get to know them. And there's no jealousy, especially over relationships that have long existed past the amount of time that you all are together. She's not in competition with anybody. What? She knows her lane. She knows her place. She knows her presence in your life. And then number five, you fight well together. You can disagree mm. without being disagreeable. Uh, disagreements with her they can be easily resolved, amicably resolved without screaming and insults or even holding a grudge. It's not a Jerry Springer type situation. And so you know if mountains are made out of molehills routinely, that's a red flag that ought to be investigated. So those are five signs that she's a keeper. I love that. Totally agree with that. Both lists. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I got to find me a barn to take them to. <laughs> so let's, let me let me dig into this. How, does, how do you know if you fight? If you talked about fighting well together. How does a couple yes. know if they, what what's a good fight, especially since uh, typically we, uh, we come from different backgrounds um, where maybe one is, uh, you know, one is a suppressor and one is very verbal. So how do we? How do you know if you fight well together? That's an amazing question. Um, so I think it comes down to being solution oriented, solution focused. 
if we can agree to disagree or understand that each other brings baggage to the relationship, brings a different past, different level of exposure and experience, and we can appreciate that about the other person, we're not necessarily trying to change them. We're trying to share information, hearing, taking the time to listen to the other person's point and perspective because they could have a lens and an angle on something that we never thought about that can totally shift us. So just being open and at the end of the day, leaving from that point of friction knowing we're moving towards a solution, we're moving towards a win-win proposition, that's how you know that you fight well together. We're both moving to a place where we can win and grow and learn from this experience. I like that. I love it. Okay. Um, I had I had a question because I noticed just even from your list that you I like that you are dealing with the actual whole person and I'm noticing that on your because a lot of the times we look for the outside we look for you know the 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 thing the surface things to find in common with someone yeah. and we over character. So I really appreciate your list because it digs deeper into the character of a person. Um, I, as a woman, loved number three for your five ways to know if she's a keeper list, um, the she feels safe expressing her feelings and thoughts. I think that piece is often overlooked. And it says a lot about her respect level for you. It says a lot about her willingness to accept information from you because it says a lot about how she feels you respect her and your ability to receive information from her. Like that one, I got goosebumps when you even said it because I was <laughs> like, yes, that those things, those that so coincides with each other. And I think it gets so caught up in, oh, she want to talk again. Oh, I got to listen. Okay, let me play like I'm paying attention. Like we can see <laughs> That just like you guys said, we can you guys know if we're taking an interest in what you guys are doing, right. if you're really engaging with the family. Like we know if you're listening, we know <laughs> if you're invested Definitely. in what we're talking about. And I and I just I thought that was was really good. How so? Now I'm going to get to my question. Now that I've gushed about the actual love of the list, <laughs> um, <laughs> how difficult is it for you when you are counseling and dealing and and coaching people to get them to retrain their mindset to go into themselves and to look for character, what they need, who they are, and sure. what they're bringing to the table. Like, how are, how are you able to redirect that? That's an amazing question. So here's how I do it. My approach is to help each individual understand that once you change what's within you, you'll then be able to change what's around you. Until you change what's within you and be honest about who you are, what you are, what you bring to the table, positive and negative, this relationship will never be anything. Most people have the mindset that it's 50-50. No, you got to be at 100-100. You need a whole person to be a whole person. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a solid, healthy, whole relationship. And so there's something called transference from a psychological perspective. And here's what happens. When we grow up, when we're born in our infancy, our first picture of love and a loving relationship is with our parents, parents or parents. What we see in that dynamic shapes the rest of our lives. And so as we move and matriculate through life, we're constantly playing the same movie that we saw when we were a child. We're just now replacing it with different actors. Mm -hmm. Two, 
right what went wrong, to repeat what went right, or to hurt somebody in the way that we were hurt. So you'll notice that you'll you'll date the you'll date somebody that's like your mama or like your daddy or marry your mama or marry your daddy. Or if you look at the history of the people that you've dated, it's really the same person with a different face. All because transference happens all throughout our life. That movie continues to play, and we just swap in new actors and actresses. And so when we understand that, that helps us to tap into who the other person is. What happened in your childhood? Tell me some of the stories. What are your experiences? And that helps you to understand who that person is and why they are the way that they are. You can then be sensitive, empathetic towards them, and you can grow and learn and understand that some of the friction that you face in a relationship really ain't about you. You're just now paying the bills of somebody else from their past. And when I paint that picture for people, it helps them to tap into the inside and start working on themselves, and then the relationship is made better as a result. That's good stuff right there. I received that. So I got me a good question too. <laughs> I would like to know um, when you're dealing with uh, starting a fresh relationship, how do you get over the past so that it doesn't interject into the new? And how do you help the person get over their past as you get over your own past? Cool. All right. I'll start with how do you get over your own past? You have, as I travel, I've come to understand that there's a difference between checked luggage and carry-on luggage. If you get on a plane and the luggage that, because of its weight, is required to be checked, and you try to put that in the overhead bin, if too many people mm-hmm. did that, it would throw the weight balance of the plane off and cause the plane to crash. That's why they have a difference between checked baggage and carry-on baggage. And as we move from one relationship into the next, we need to differentiate between what's checked baggage and what ought to be carry-on baggage because you can carry on too much weight cause the next relationship to crash. So you've got to be honest about what hurts you in your past relationship, what you're carrying over, what you're transferring over, what you're projecting. You have to be honest with that first and heal from it. So many people engage in premature penetration. You haven't amply healed before you enter into a new relationship and all it is is you end up playing the same cycle all over again. Until you heal, until you're emotionally well, psychologically well, you shouldn't enter into another relationship. <clears throat> Excuse me. Once you enter in, you're now connected with this other person, and you see some things about them. You have to function as a blind spot indicator for each other. And most of the new cars, they're blind spot indicators in the mirrors. So before you get ready to change lanes or if somebody's too close to you, in, the, in this lane on either side of you, an indicator will go off. That'll help you to avoid an accident. And in a relationship, we've got to be that to the other person. We've got to help them to see stuff that they don't necessarily see about themselves, bring it to them in love, and create a safe environment where each wow. individual knows that, hey, they're checking me on some stuff, calling me out on some stuff, because at the end of the day, they want me to be better. And when you demonstrate that that's your ultimate goal, it makes it easier for the person to receive the information that you're sharing about them concerning things they need to work on and change and eradicate from their lives. Yep. I always say tough love is better than 
received after there's a foundation built on easy love. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have a little love before you can tough love somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you will see that on my page yeah. tomorrow. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what I feel mean. That's going to be the next meme. <laughs> now, so, so how do we, um, I think one of the, okay, so how do you know um, if, let's just say, we think, okay, all the things that Stephen just said sound like me and and the person I'm with, and I think I'm ready um, to take it to the, to the next level. What do you say to that person uh, if all of that lines up, but um, one is religious and one isn't? Gotcha. I think that at a foundational level, for a couple to have a healthy, whole, long-lasting, and sustainable relationship, there have to be some key things that they share common ground on. And it's different for each couple, for each pairing, for each partnership. But you have, as an individual, have to know what your non-negotiables are. And you got to be honest about those up front. And you got to be willing to come to the table if religion or spirituality is something crucial and key and foundational in your life, and it's important to you, and the other person mm-hmm. is in total opposition to it, you have to understand the long-term consequences and count the costs because everything is going to be good on the front end. Of course, that's how all relationships start. But at some point, mm-hmm. the stuff is going to hit the fan, and you've got to be mm-hmm. willing to be honest about that up front. And if you love that person enough, you care about that person enough, you'll be willing to have the conversation up front and say, hey, this is an issue for me. Where do you stand? Do you see yourself shifting? Do I think that you have to both be on the same page in the beginning? No. And I say that because I have seen one person at one spiritual level and the other person at a lower spiritual level. And because they got in relationship the one that was at a higher level was able to help to elevate and serve as an example to that other person. So I've seen it work that way. Um, But again, it just depends on those two individuals, but I believe having conversation up front, honest, transparent, open conversation about where they stand, what the non-negotiables are, what they can and can't tolerate, what they will and won't stand for has to come into play to set the stage for where this can go in the future. That's dope. Boundaries. Like it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like well, it. okay, I'll dive in. I'm gonna say I got another one then. So, <laughs> how do you keep yourself at bay and grounded when your representatives decide that they really, really dig each other? <laughs> All right. So, here's the point of relationships. Many people don't understand what a relationship is. Relationship is the mutual sharing of life between two people. And so often people get situations and relationships mixed up. So when it's a relationship. Give us that definition one more time because we need that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go back and and grab it for you. A relationship (laughs) is the mutual sharing of life between two people. So for a relationship to exist, there has to be mutual ability. It has to be a mutual benefit for both parties. Many people get situations and relationships mixed up. A situation is one-sided. A relationship is two-sided. And so as you 
go into building a relationship, <coughs> you have to understand that the foundation has to be set just in building a house. What's the foundation? Friendship. If you cannot survive as friends, you'll never make it to anything else. And so many people move so swiftly and quickly through the relationship stage that they don't set a firm foundation. And so it's in building that foundation that you'll begin to see the representative peek its ugly head out. If you maintain consistency, a person cannot act consistently in a way that's inconsistent with who they really are because what's in you will eventually come out of you. And so if you spend time building that relationship before you take it to another level, hopefully you'll have enough time to start to see the differences between the representative and the real person, and then from there determine what you want to do, if you want to move forward, if you want to keep this as just a situation, or develop it into a stronger relationship. So is this one? Of, is that one of the is that one of the reasons why? Um, because obviously both of us are we both church boys. Uh, why we yeah. talk about not having sex? Why we both talk about not having sex before marriage? Because that clouds the difference between the situationships versus the relationships. Definitely, sir. You you enter into a whole different type of emotional realm. Your spirits are connected when the sexual act takes place, and it takes things to a whole different level. And as you said very clearly, it clouds things. <coughs> Excuse me. It colludes your perspective on things. And so the purer you can keep things, the better you can keep things. And again, not to change the subject, but so many people have sex so soon because they don't understand the significance of sexuality and the reason why God actually leaves our sex switch on. It's not actually to have sex. That's not the reason why God leaves it on and places those those desires in our in our hearts and in our spirits. Mm. Hmm. I was starting to type mm. that and I stopped because my brain was trying to marinate at the same time. I'm like, what a minute. Many of us misunderstand. <laughs> it's from that one back Many of us misunderstand what sex really is. Like, give, give, yeah, give us that back. Yeah, I got one you. more time. <laughs> sure. So, when we were created, God created us as relational beings. Well, that, that's the goal of humanity, to be relational. We're made to be connected to other people. And so God knew that at times we would experience various hurts, traumas, dis, discomforts, depression, all of that kind of thing. And normally when those things happen to us, we insulate ourselves. We, we become silo. Mm-hmm. We cut ourselves off from other human beings. And so the sex drive, sexuality, the sex switch is left on because – almost as an insurance policy by God to get us to draw out of that isolation and get connected to other people. We Uh see somebody, it's there, we come out of the cave, we get connected. At that point, we're Mm -hmm. to build relationship and rapport, build a friendship, get to know the Mm -hmm. other person. As that moves forward, you'll begin to discern what this person is in my life for. Is this person here to be a friend? to coach me through this period, this stage, this phase of my life? Is this person supposed to be my life partner? Once you discern if this person is supposed to be your life partner, then you matriculate through the various stages of relationship, ultimately growing to that place of marriage where the sex act is supposed to take place, which makes you now one, makes you connected, and things should flow in a particular way from there. 
That's why the second mm-hmm. switch is left on as God's insurance policy, that we won't hibernate and stay disconnected from humanity. Mm-hmm. All right. I needed every that bit of that. That word right there. <laughs> right well, I mean, and I say that because we misunderstand that. And I think because now especially we have so much access to each other and sure. we, we – we and we almost um we 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 shy away from being with ourselves because we're so exactly. busy being accessible to everyone else but to and then we just think you know this person does it for us you know it's always on so it's almost like this overstimulation that happens yeah. where we can't determine who's here for what reasons and why because everybody's here for all the reasons and no one knows why and it's just that Right there. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I can miss the two The folks love it. We're here for it. So, yeah, the, the live, we're here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have a question. Yeah. We have a question from the live. Speaking of laying okay. a good foundation, Erica wants to know, um, should abstinence or celibacy be discussed while dating or once a relationship is established? When should you have the self, the abstaining conversation? I think on the first date, you need to put everything on the table. This is this is what I'm looking for. These are my expectations. These are my non-negotiables. Let everybody know everything up front so everybody can make a decision as to if I want to play ball or not. Don't mm-hmm. let me get into this thing and I have certain expectations as I have one, and you ain't on the same page because I'm going to get pissed off, and this ain't going to be pretty. <laughs> and then I'm going to try to force my way or – I'm going to just go and be ignorant and get on Facebook and blast you and all the stupid stuff that people do. But if we have an open, honest conversation on the front end, nobody can say, hey, I didn't know. This is true. Yeah. I agree. That's a good one. And it's one that we – and I know even in the school, we discussed how we don't want to talk about sex on the first date. I think it's the 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 the, uh, the um, I don't think – talking about, I think that not the sex conversation is the issue, it's us discussing me and you having sex or what I've had, how I've had sex in the past and, you know, the actual doing of sex. There's a different type of sex conversation that has to happen. And I think that if we, if if it's positioned more in that way where we are going deeper in that conversation, then, you know, because I I think there are many of us that would want to have that combo, but are afraid of it because how it's been positioned in the past. That's good though. That's real good. Yeah, we got to put all the cards on the table so I can decide if I want to play this game or not. Yeah, and I think I think it's only fair because, again, you know, I think the worst thing the worst thing you could do for a person um, outside of play with their heart is play with their time. And so, yeah, <clears throat> so the yeah. worst thing you could do is to is to lead them in a direction and give them the opportunity to think that you know that you're one type of person and you're really not, or you feel one type of way and you don't. So I think it's only fair um, that you do that. I think the, the other issue and the other concern is, especially um, for young ladies that I meet, is that they're afraid that if they say that they expect celibacy, that they'll be single. <clears throat> and I'll be clear: sure. there are a lot of men. There are a lot of men who who will not be in those types of relationships, uh, or who don't want to be in those types of relationships. But going back to your initial point, if it's the right person for you. They'll wait, you know. It's going and look. It'll be uncomfortable, 
but they'll sure. work. Um, and so I think yeah. you just have to, you know, if that's your if that's your standard, let that be your standard, and don't don't waver from your standard, don't waver from even it. when it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Listen, ladies, you can change a man, but it has to be the right man. Uh. You you know, oh, fellas, guys know that you're the right True. one. That you're True. willing to make some change. The truth. Oh Lord. That's true. But the same and the, and the same goes vice versa. The same is vice versa. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. So I mean, but since we're talking about this one, this that's typically an area that, that is not driven by sorry, Kizzle. <laughs> <laughs> struggling with that one. I was like, oh, you said that. Oh, that was pretty orange heavy. I'm telling you, that was heavy right there. Like, oh. I hear you. But Can't even pick that one up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's both of us. I think both of us, um, both of us, I mean, if you think about it, men and women, seriously, we, we will adjust for the person who we love. Definitely. I can go with that. <laughs> <laughs> It was just like a bullet, right, though. Like, cause I, you know what I mean? I could just, I could just see like twenty people hearing it wrong. Like, I could change him, girl. No, that's not what he said. That's not, not at all. Not at all. That's not what he said. He didn't say you could just change him. It was commas in there. And I, please heed to the commas, ladies. Please heed to the commas. Please do. Please Wow. Yeah, this has been good, man. This has definitely been good. So um, I know our time with you is just about up. Um, so you do a, you do Facebook Live every Tuesday and yes. Friday, Tuesday and Thursday? Tuesday, Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday's focus is relationship. Friday's focus is leadership every week. Okay. And then from um, time to time, once a quarter, I try to do a live session either in Chicago or in Atlanta where I get a small group together and we do a, a Facebook live type meetup. We just don't put it on Facebook live so that people can be free to kind of share their experiences, ask their questions and get the help that they need. Okay. If a person wanted to get in contact with you for, uh, to bring you, cause I've had like two or three people already ask me to pass. Can you give them my phone number? I'm, listen, I'm not your man's secretary, but um, <laughs> How can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, reach out to you for a speaking engagement? Sure. They can hit me up on Facebook, uh, drop me a, what do you call it, an instant message uh, on IG, mm-hmm. drop me a DM. I'll give out my email address as well, faith, F-A-I-T-H, under U-N-D-E-R, 40, number four zero at gmail.com, faith under 40 at gmail.com. Real quick, I think we have a caller. Let me take this call real quick just to make sure they don't have a question. They have a question for you. Um, caller seven five seven five. You are on the air. What is your question or comment? Hi, I have a question. I wanted to know how do you approach someone that you're interested in, but you don't know if they have an interest in you, but you want to. Put it in the atmosphere. Cool. I've got that's a great question and I've got a great answer. Closed mouths don't get fed. And so if there is something that you want, if you see something, you better say something. I live between Chicago and Atlanta, and so let me give you the numbers. Yeah, 
just give you the numbers. For every 85 black women there are in America, there are only maybe 20 black men. When you take out 35, I'm sorry, 35, when you take out the gay men, that drops you down to about 20. When you take out the black men that just ain't ever going to be nothing, you're down to about 15. And so the numbers are really in our favor. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm challenging ladies, if you see something, you better say something. Holla, send a carrier pigeon, smoke signal, something. Don't, don't be afraid to just at least acknowledge, hey, I've got an interest. Do I think the man should take the lead? Yes. But sometimes, because we don't like rejection either, if you just kind of give us some kind of symbol you're interested, if he's interested, he's going to holler back. He'll let you know, and things can progress Come from there. On. But don't be afraid. This ain't the old days, and I often hear a lot of people talking about, I'm waiting on my Boaz. Let me remind ladies that Boaz is dead, number one. Number two, <laughs> when you do an exegetical uh, search on that mm-hmm. text, it was actually Ruth that brought marriage to the conversation with Boaz. She asked him if he would cover her with his wings. If you break that down in the original language, she's proposing marriage to him. She's bringing marriage to the conversation. So, ladies, don't be afraid to open your mouth. If you see something, ma'am, please say something. How All right, ma'am. Thank you for calling in. All right. All right, sir. We thank you for your time. We appreciate you for coming on. Um, as I, I, as I knew you would, you. Anytime. We'll definitely have to have you back at another time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> All right, thank you, man. Have a good night. Cool. Have a great night. Ha-ha. All right. All right. So again, once again, uh, if you have not, if you do not follow uh, Stephen on social media, you can again at Stephen J Thurston um, on on all social media platforms. Um, all right. So this next song, uh, we're gonna take a break real quick, and then after we come back, we're coming back with hot topics. So this next song is Ain't My Fault by Carolina Savage. Yeah. L-I-E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect my ears, Ain't my fault that you ain't bred from the street. street. Ain't my fault that you was flexing and we seen it. Ain't my fault that you got hit up like Tahiti. Ain't my fault that you ain't man enough to beat me. Ain't my fault that I'm the man when you see me though. Ain't my fault that they demand just to see me. Ain't my fault that I'm the man in your city though. Ain't my fault that Carolina made the city blow. Fell asleep in the trap when I woke up and the sun was rising. Can't recall but all I know just see my door was rising. Yeah, I'm strapped all day, no pillow talk. Told it with me so much I'm starting to think that the Mac they walk that Carolina. Can you see me? I'm blowing heavy. I'm screaming heavy smokers. Ain't my fault that you ain't bred from the street. Ain't my fault that you was flexing and we seen it. Ain't my fault that you got hit up like Tahiti. Ain't my fault that you ain't man enough to beat me. Ain't my fault that I'm the man when you see me though. Ain't my fault that they demand just to see me. Ain't my fault that I'm the man in your city though. Ain't my fault that Carolina made the city blow. This is that country. 
back up on this country flow. In the city, it's a must, I gotta let them know. Best I play like you ain't heard about that jump out. That Vando open fit. Probably would a jump out what you talking about that action. Let me say why I'm snapping from the wood, this was cracking. Let me tell you how it happened, repping east side. G well, the CV, talking 6 7 foes and GDs, no affiliation. What you talking, I'm syndicated, boy, you really hate it. You just mad cause I really made it, what you demonstrating? How to be the boss of the struggle, I'm connected in the hood and I really know how to hustle. Ain't my fault that I'm the man when you see me though. Ain't my fault they they the man just to see me. Ain't my fault that I'm the man in your city though. Ain't my fault that Carolina made the city blow. Dope man, dope man, dope man, yeah I brought the city hope man. You fool with my dough and they'll never see you float, float. Situation done quicker if you don't know about everything that I do is a test of test Ain't my fault that you ain't bred from the street. street. Ain't my fault that you was flexing and we seen it. Seen it. Ain't my fault that you got hit up like Tahiti. Ain't my fault that you ain't man enough to beat me. Beat me. Ain't my fault that I'm the man when you see me though. Ain't my fault they they the man just to see me. See me. Ain't my fault that I'm the man in your city though. Ain't my fault that Carolina made the city blow. All right, all right. That was Ain't My Fault by Carolina Savage. I like that song. It has a little bop to it. I, get <laughs> I like bossy songs like that. <clears throat> all right, so it is that time for Hot Topics, family, and we are going to bring this segment to you by Elegance by Design, where healthy hair and skin is our priority, but a beautiful you is always our specialty. You can visit us at elegancebydesign.com. And uh, I can get you taken care of. If you have any questions about products, feel free to inbox me, and I will uh, get you set All right. So earlier today, um, James brought in a question asking us, what do we feel is wrong with welfare, with welfare system? I'm pulling up his photo just so I can uh, – what do you think is the biggest flaw of the welfare system? So this particular question has been one of my favorites for a very long time. Um, it's, it's been one of my favorite posts in a very long time, simply because of how thought-provoking it was overall. So um, we, we thought tonight it would be a good topic. So anyway, what do you think is the biggest flaw of the welfare system? We had quite a few people comment on the post, but before we go into those comments, I'm going to go um, to my bros first and see what you all think. When I know you commented on the post, but since we've had conversations and comments uh, throughout the day, have you changed your thought process and what share what, what it is that you, you think with the group? No, I didn't change my thought process. Not changed. Um, first, before I say this, let me let me remind our listeners that this is the part of the show where I said that if you call in, um, the best answer, and it's got to be a good one. So if one person call in, that one person could not win. But it's got to be a good answer. The best answer during this segment <clears throat> will get a free ticket uh, on me to the Black Cat 
affair, uh, fashion uh, party. So, again, 929-477-2304, press the number 1. 929-477-2304, press the number 1. The best comment, um, the best response to this will get a free ticket on me to the Black Cat Affair uh, fashion party this Saturday. So, all right. So what I said on the post was that the problem with um, – my main problem with um, with the welfare system is that, number one, that it does not provide um, – it doesn't provide a good system for people to get off of it. And when people do get off of it, that sometimes um, – because right now we're living in a um, – in a, through a, a cycle, so let me – from an economic standpoint, let me say what winds up happening is after you have a time of depression, um, like we did in 2007, 2008, when the, when the mortgage market crisis happened and mortgage market fell, what winds up happening is people start, as people start getting employed, uh, again, what it does is it literally resets the market to where people who are um, now making $75,000, $80,000 are now making $50,000 and $60,000. So, so you see the unemployment numbers going um, the unemployment numbers going down, but you see the underemployment number going up. So you have people with master's master's degrees making the same thing that people who have high school diplomas make. Um, and and so what the system does not do is it doesn't bring people back to a place where they're even though they're off of the rolls because um, that they're off of the rolls of unemployment and they're employed, but they still have a huge gap of income, and there's nothing for them or there's nothing that the system can do to help them get back to a place where they're able to, where they're able to be uh, stable again. And so, um, so I thought that's the biggest issue, number one. The other part that I, that I saw was that there was no – I said that we should have – it would be nice if we can develop partnerships with um, corporations where they would do some type of – I don't want to say job training, but that they do some hiring directly um, from people who are on the rolls and say start with people who've been on the longest period of time and go back, you know, some some way where we can incorporate people back into the workforce faster and get a good, uh, yeah, reentry type type of program. Um, so those are initially in that conversation, those are the things that I had an issue with at first um, with the system. So, I mean, it got into a very deep conversation um, in, mm-hmm. in the post, which I thought was excellent, by the way. I thought it was an excellent discussion. Yes, I agree. Rashad, what do you, what would you say is to you one of the, what do you think is the biggest flaw of the welfare system? Um, I've seen that, you know, at times there are people that work and could use welfare help but aren't allowed to get it because they're quote-unquote making too much. Um, I think that needs to be tweaked because uh, I feel like if you're at least working, you would deserve to get it a lot more than somebody who's, you know, just hanging on. Because there are people, let's be honest, who abuse the system where they found a way to kind of just chill in that box and, you know, to to no effort try to do anything else. Which, you know, I can't say by all means that's fine by me because it's not. Everybody should get up and at least try to do something. I understand that there are cases where, you know, people are physically unable and can't do stuff or mentally unable and can't do stuff. All of that stuff is understood and wiped off the slate. 
But if you're able to get up and do some kind of work, at least do some work and qualify and then, you know, get hit with the make too much so you can join that argument. Because that's what my argument is. I argue for the people who are in the make too much boat but still see themselves living check to check. And Mm -hmm. that'll be a nice big dent taken out of the check to check situation because that type of help is something that, you know, people who genuinely work deserve. You know what I mean? So that would be my reach. I would say that, you know, more help for the people who are trying to help themselves. And uh, I would also say, because I don't want to say just boot people off, but more help for the people who are not helping themselves as well. If, you know, if the trend is that such and such has had food stamps for X amount of time, but they still aren't working, then we need to automatically enroll this person in a job force type, you know, teaching them how to get work or putting them in work and whatnot. And if they don't show up to those classes, then their numbers start going down. <coughs> People get up off the couch and their numbers start going down and $300 on food stamps start going down to 50 I bet you start going to them job training classes. Start putting penalties on that stuff. But I, more than anything, like I said, though, because I don't want to run everybody's time, is give more to the people who are actually trying. So I'm for the people who getting hit with it. You make too much. Because living check so, to check, so my, that'll cut, up, that'll cut it. I think I think for me, one of the one of the balance of that statement is I, I, I understand what you mean. I, I agree. I agree that, that, that there are some gray areas in terms of and that's kind of where I was going to. But I think the difficult part, the difficult part of that is there's nothing in place that we can, how do we really determine whether or not a person is abusing it versus um, <clears throat> we live in a time right now where if I can make, and as a man, I, I can tell you what my answer would be, but I, I also have to understand, you know, understand this predicament. But if I'm a person who who's <clears throat> saying that I can make, more sitting at home on welfare than I can going to work at McDonald's, and those are my, you know, and because of a certain education level or for whatever or whatever, because I don't have transportation, whatever reasons there are out there, um, that that I choose to sit at home and to and collect this welfare check until something better comes. How do we don't have a system in place? And there are classes, there are work, you know, work ready programs, there are things out there that you can still go to and still not get a job that's going to be able to feed your family to the tune of um, you would get if you're on, you know, getting welfare. So I think, I think before we move to something like that, we've got to figure that part of the system out because again, that does, it does happen. And so I, I think that's for me, that's one of the frustrations of our, of our welfare system is because there is so much waste, uh, or perceive that there's so much waste and fraud out there that we don't necessarily know how much of this is being wasted versus how much is it. And then let's add on to the fact that we've got people who are actually, you know, very wealthy who get on welfare and commit fraud too. So, I mean, it's it's a really complicated system that we just right now don't have the proper capabilities to monitor, to determine, um, to determine who should and who shouldn't get put off. But we also know and we have a ton of people who, because they've been on the road for so long, get to a point where they just say, you know what, forget it. This is the best I can do, and I'm just going to ride this out for as long as I can. And so those are the people who we've got to figure out how to either motivate or, to Rashad's point, how to uh, gently encourage them to not <clears throat> rely on the system. 
So I did some, and I did some, some look, you know, because I used to work in public housing. Um, but there was a um, very, for a very short time, thank God, because that's probably some of the hardest work I've ever done in my life. But um, it was something like when a person gets on welfare uh, or grows up in a welfare system, they are 50% more likely to stay on it when they become adults. So if my mom was on welfare and I grew up in that environment and in that house, then I'm 50% more likely to be on it as an adult because I grew up in that environment. And in some cities, they don't even make you reapply apply to get on welfare. Um, if you were born into it, they automatically put you on the roll. So you don't even have to go through the hassle of getting signed up. You're already in there because that's what you grew up in. So it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's a real double-edged sword. Yep. Um, I, my thought process on this actually coincides with, um, LaShonda's comment. She says services end too quickly, which promotes self-sabotage. For example, you're on the system, but get a new job. You report the new job and your services end before you get your first paycheck. Most employers pay in the hole, so the system is designed to hold you back. Um, I totally agree with that because that is often how it goes. Um, in in the system, I I'm just gonna tell y'all. I feel that our service, our welfare services, lack humanity and a sense of common sense and reality. I think we have far too many numbers involved and not enough real people decisions being made um, for things like that. You know what I'm saying? I should not. If you if I've been without work for X amount of months, and we've been struggling, been trying to get back on my, you know, get back on my feet and things like that, and now here we are. I report I'm doing the right thing. I'm reporting that I now have a job, showing you that I'm trying to be a productive person in society, and now I get a letter less than a week later saying, ah, your food stamps, your, your food stamps are being reduced, your daycare copay is going up, <laughs> you've got six months to qualify for and secure medical insurance for you and your family or whoever else is in your household. Like, and this is just, they don't care if this is a full-time job, if it's a part-time job, if it's a contractor job, what the stipulations are surrounding the job. You just reported that you now have said job. So I'm not so quick to harp on the abuse that we love to go to when we start talking about welfare because I don't feel that I kind of go back to what um, Winford was saying. It's, I don't think it's as much as blatant abuse as just lack of options to do differently. Um, and, and, and Or I don't know if it's options. Sometimes it's motivation. Someone to say, I know this is where you've been. Here's some help, and let me – and I actually give a damn. There have been so many times that I've, I remember – I look, y'all know I've struggled, and I've shared my struggle. But there have been times where I've been in interviews, and the person across the table never made eye contact with me. I'm sharing, pouring my heart out. I got the eviction notices cut off, notices, whatever the case the notice might be. I've got the mm-hmm. tears, the baby sitting here. We hungry, you know, whatever it is. And the person mm-hmm. never even looked up at me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think we have, when I say we have to bring the humanity back to these programs, you have to understand where the policies, the procedures, the process, the the the, the 
explanation of the numbers, what that does to a family, generations, a mom. You know, if this has been your process and you're trying and you go and you come in and you got your stuff together and you keep experiencing that, at some point you think, well, hell, why? You know what I'm saying? And I'm still hungry. I'm still getting the, you know, I'm still in this position. So I, I'm not at all quick, and I recognize that it exists, but I recognize that criminal activity and fraud happens and damn near everything. So I'm not going to dismiss a program that is so necessary um, because folks are going to do what folks do. So I am, yeah. I can go on and Yeah, on I mean, like I said, I think, again, I've seen, I think because, of just the things that I've seen both, you know, in, in my banking career and, you know, in the short time I worked in public housing that you do see, you know, you do see some of the fraud, you know, you see some of the people who are, you know, you see a lot, you know, who are 17, 18, you know, 22, 20, you know, who can work, but choose not to, you know, and who will openly tell you, you know, look, I'm not, this job is beneath me. Like, you know, do you know like as a man i it makes me feel angry to see you know to see able-bodied men sit around and choose to not go to work you know again it's one thing if you can't it's one thing if you are you know something is going on and you you know you need some some assistance or you need some you know some help that's fine but to see and then to see you know some of the other types of you know um uh you know things that, that it's caused in terms of, you know, separation of the family, people choosing not to be with, you know, with live with the father of their children or their get married because they know that it'll cut into some of their, you know, again, not because they can't work, but because they choose to, they choose not to. Those are the things that I think that, again, we don't have a system in place to really um, track that, but, I think, but but I can't sit up here and pretend like that. I, I've never seen it, and it doesn't frustrate me, especially knowing that you're paying for it. You yes. know that you're paying for it, and at the end of the day, you still got it. You know that to to the able-bodied person who is working and who's out there hustling, um, knowing that that FICA and that Social Security is coming. That you know that FICA that you want to cuss out every time you get your paycheck. Like, wait a minute, how come they took so much of my money? is going to somebody who chooses not to work. Like you choose not to. I think that that's the part where people who say, you know, that we need to do something are coming from. And so I, I, I get that too, but I just think we got to figure out how do we properly monitor it? How do we pop, how properly um, help people who need help, courage those to, you know, who, who can work because ultimately the more people who work, the more revenue we get, the more revenue, you know, uh, we get, the more spending we have, the, the more tax revenue we have as a country, the more we're able to help people who actually need the help. So really, really, again, that's why I say for me it's about getting more people in the workforce as fast as possible, putting them in positions to get promoted as possible, putting them in positions to start their own business businesses um, as, as fast as possible and get those businesses off the ground so they're able to function and employ other people. You know, it's about that. That's kind of where my directive is in order to help other people do those types of things and engage in those types of activities. So as a country, again, we can keep growing and not rely on, you know, the same few companies or few corporations to employ masses of people when we know they've already got enough uh, issues and are going to ultimately make their decision based upon the bottom line anyway. Mm -hmm. So. 
I don't know. Y'all know I can talk about this family. My my finance degree kicks in and I get the going. So this is right. this is y'all. Right. This is my boy. I'm, you, I'm, you and my. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, and you know the babies and you know people are my thing. And I just that's why I was telling I had to explain to James because he and I were you know we had I think it was like seventeen comments back and forth between us on that particular post. And he I think he had a better understanding of the financial aspect of it, which I totally respect and I'm totally willing to say that's not my ministry. But I, I, and I think that we were both saying a lot of the same things where we've got a lot of misplaced energy, but it's a, it's a relevant, it's a necessary, it's so necessary to fix it. And I think we can't really fix it until we really sit down and have that honest conversation about where are we? Like, and do we really care as much as we say we care? And and what work are we going to do to make that change so we can eventually not need need it to the degree that we do? You know what I'm saying? Like, because we've got to we've got to yeah. balance the numbers so that it can grow and folks can continue to get the need, and we can have awesome programs that welfare doesn't have this stigma attached to it that it's for only the the broke folks, the poor folks, and this, you know, welfare is well-being. Like, these things can become advocacy programs. They can become things that it's just a, it's a help. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, that, yeah, this is one of those subjects that I think we've really got to begin to delve into. And, and it starts with groups like this, among people who are paying taxes, who have families, who are, you know, paying uh, debts and, and balancing checkbooks and have the ability to, speak to experiences and reach back and show folks who are in those situations. We know those programs don't exist right now, but you, we also know people who need some type of guidance, some type of direction to get there. So at this point we can create <laughs> that pathway to start getting people to, to, to get getting people a renewed understanding that there are options because I think that there yeah. are so many people who really don't, think that there are any more options. They think that it's all stacked yeah. against them. And, you know, for go-getters like us, we're like, oh, no, no. What am I going to do with a yeah. no? But for people who may not have that built up where that's been broken in them, they need someone to come and tell them, no, that no is just not right now. You know what I'm saying? So it's, this, is, this is a huge, huge human thing. Yeah. <laughs> before, before we before – we, because you have something – Say something say on this one. Something else. No, I mean, like I said, my main thing is my main thing. That was it. Okay. As you know, we and Q get on our soapbox and we get to going. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but let me say this, let me say this before before we transition. Well, two things. Number one, let me say that again, there are and there are serious. Um, you know, even we talked on the post, we also talked brought up healthcare. Uh, and how important healthcare is, even um, to be addressed for you know for people who are coming you know getting on welfare unemployment things like that. Because when you do when you are working, you go from being on a group plan with your employer typically to COBRA. And if anybody has ever seen the amount of uh, that you, of the premium, you know you carry the the employer portion of the premiums when you get on COBRA. Nobody can afford that, and that typically you know causes issues. With, yeah, nobody can afford that. So. Uh, so there, therein brings another dynamic to you know to this um, that we that we definitely need to be addressed. That's the first thing. The second thing I want to say is if you are 
um, as as Q said, if you have ever had to be in this situation, please. The one thing I want I want you to walk away from this conversation with is please don't be embarrassed. Don't think any don't think negatively of yourself. Don't think that you are less than. You're not worth it. I have been I have been in my lifetime in positions where I was unemployed for all for nine months. Mr. Go Getter Money Mentor. Um, when the stock market when the market crashed and the housing bubble um, stopped. Um, I got caught up in, in I was in in financial services, and it does wear on how you feel um, about yourself. So do not allow not having a job or not being able to you know you thinking that you're not providing for your family to make you think that you're any less of a man or you're any less of a husband or you're any less of a mom or a woman or anybody else. It happens to the best of us. Keep your head up. Continue to live in purpose, and I can promise you, you will get through it. I just wanted to say that. And we can go, let's go ahead and get to this next song. <laughs> All, right. All right. I just so listen. I've been there. Fun, I've been there. Huh? I've been there. I had a flashback. Ooh. Okay. Been there a couple times. That's right. Look. Mm. Yeah, that way. So we got our final song of the evening is "Shy Ride" by Cash, featuring Boy Illinois. All right, shot down all through up and through that title. All right. Hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know you feel that you feel this. Uh, yeah. See, people think that we be playing money to be making, cause they ain't part of this. I can tell why they be hating. Talk around town, say we the ones that saving. Music in the city, what the fuck you think you thinking? You think you thinking? You think you thinking? In our city, in our city, in our city, what the f you think you thinking? You think you thinking? In our city, in our city, in our city, oh. This is here for my home team. Born and raised to thirst cream. Stay chasing me street dreams. Can you hear me? Hear me work all day to make ends. Me, but sometimes we spend way more than we bring in. Can you feel me? Feel me? Been up and been down. Left thing came back round. Can't nobody stop us. We winning, winning, winning. Life come and life goes. I'm blessed. I've been so, so. Watch me flex and pose, though. I'm silly, silly, See, people think that we be playing Money to be making Cause they ain't part of this I can tell why they be hating Talk around town, say We the ones that saving Music in the city What the fuck you think you thinking You think you thinking You think you thinking In our city, in our city, in our city What the fuck you think you thinking You think you in our city, in our city, in our city, oh Hold that thought Brought to you by a boss Taking no loss, of course it costs Spinning the dope so I could toss I recoup that, I need the roof back Top down, screw back Head game, you know this fair game Back, back, lie you know it's fucked up, I just came up off a millimeter Suited up, calling shots, I don't work for the Senate either Taking competition now, say I get a milliliter Grinding all my life, I feel like I ran a million meters White kind of crime I swear my innocence, I'm a beast when it come to verses, act my enemy. Hit them like, ride you, but they ain't no kin of me. I do what I gotta do, so these ain't sense of me. When I go to my saying too much on my plate, haters like Kisa Sayed. I'm like, oh, that's you wait. Double entendre, 3000 on a case. Settle for a little less, cause they don't show no face. 
and me don't know no conscience when I'm coming your way. Fresh to death, like I got one foot on the grave. I know who next up, and I got my foot on their neck. Make them wait, then I make up my sword and flex. See, people think that we be playing, money to be making. Cause they ain't part of this, I can tell why they be hating. Talk around town, say, we the ones to saving. Music in the city, what the f you think you thinking? You think you thinking? You think you thinking? In our city, in our city, in our city, what the f you think you thinking? You think you thinking? In our city, in our city, in our city, oh. That was Shy Ride, and this next segment is going to be brought to us by Miss Teresa. Let me pull up my good news. Miss Teresa Taylor's realtor is a realtor, I'm sorry, with Keller Williams of Central Oklahoma. Teresa says that she is here to serve you to the fullest. You are her VIP. Education. Honest, caring, loyal, trusting, and sincere. She can be reached at 405-330-2626. And that's Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-S-A, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, no spaces in between the two, at kw.com. All right. Take it away, Cuzzo, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so, so since we don't have our fire started here this week, y'all know we're doing our um, 10, y'all know we got to come through with a list somewhere, um, and so tonight we're going to talk about um, 10, we've been talking a lot about, especially going into the new year, um, talking about 10 tips to advertise your your business on a budget, so I'm going to give you 10 things you can do to advertise your business when you are on a budget. So I hope you all are ready. Here we go. Number one, uh, the number one thing you can do is build a Facebook community around your niche. So whatever your niche is, so whether it is um, this weekend I talked to a, a group of uh, people. They, were, they have a hair salon. So we talked about um, how they can build a, um, build a business around their community, excuse me, around their niche um, in, help, in order to help build their business. Um, and then we talked about some ideas of things that they can do inside of their community to encourage um, customer retention, customer acquisition. Number two, number two thing you could do is give free, free Facebook Live uh, videos or webinars to attract more people to your your niche or to your business or to around whatever it is that you do. So it's great is a great way to get people to recognize that you are an expert in your area by giving them the opportunity to see you. Uh, do it and to hear you do whatever it is that you do, um, and it doesn't cost anything. Number three, networking events. 
uh, find the local networking events in your community or in the community that you want to be a part of um, and go to those and meet the people who are in that so that way you can develop some partnerships. Number four, co-sponsor events. Um, so in co-sponsoring events, sometimes those cost a small fee, um, but you can have there are events that you can you and other business owners can co-sponsor. It will give yourself the opportunity, uh, your business, the opportunity to be seen uh, by uh, people outside of the normal circle of influence that you have because you and those who you sponsor with, they'll be bringing the people who know them, you'll be bringing the people who know them, and then all of you all can cross-pollinate um, in your, between the people who know both of you. Um, number five, guest post on blogs. So there are a lot of people who have blogs out there and who would love, if you are an expert um, at what you do, um, they'd love for you to come on and write a blog um, that will help give you exposure to their community and it will also give them more content for their community. Number six, that's a, I see that was number five. So number six, um, uh, free local events. So whatever city you live in, you can throw free events. And they're free, so if they're good and they're quality, people come out to them. You get to explain uh, and have a captive audience built around what you do, um, and it doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. Again, you can simply host a, you know, uh, have a, you know, everybody bring your own lunch. Uh, we've done these before. We've done brown bag events where everybody brings their own lunch, and you give a lecture or you give a talk or you just host the event or whatever it's going to be in your local community around something that's really, of course, it has to be what you do, but it also has to be relevant to what the people in your area need. Number seven, develop a partnership group where you all cross-promote one another, especially using social media. Uh, uh, you get to, so for example, myself, um, Q, Rashad, and Kelly, we, uh, and Kels, we have a partnership group um, where if one of us is doing something, we all help promote it. Um, so that way, again, our reach can get bigger. It doesn't cost us less. And um, once you're, once I have um, the credibility of them or I have the buy-in from them, then the people who listen to them will also then say that, okay, because Rashad trusts uh, Winford, then I can trust Winford as well. Um, so that helps you, again, get into spaces of, of people who you don't already know um, and around other like-minded people who will know your business, and that doesn't cost you anything. Number eight, um, for a small fee, as small as $5, you can run Facebook and Instagram ads. Listen, I'm all about the paid advertising. Again, it doesn't have to cost you a whole lot of money. You can do it on the budget that you have, but you can run Facebook and Instagram ads. Uh, you can run uh, LinkedIn ads. You can run Google AdWords. You can do a lot of things based on with a small budget, again, just to get your business in front of more people. Then there is something called HARO, H-A-R-O. It's called Help a Reporter Out. What this is is it's a site that you can go on and sign up for, and it gives you the opportunity to interact with other reporters who um, on relevant topics. You can interject yourself, interject your information, interject who you are and your thoughts and opinions, and they might use you for their story. Um, so it gives you, another, again, another opportunity for free for you to be able to get seen. And then number 10, which is probably the most important, but it's also the most gruesome, is what I call one-on-one -on -one combat. What do I mean by one-on-one -on -one combat? What I mean by that is one of the biggest, one of the most important things you can do as a business is you can leverage the people who already use your business or your service. Oftentimes we're constantly trying to get new people when some of the time what we need to be doing is trying to keep the people we already have. 
because those people that you already have who already frequent your business, who are already supporters of what you do, will be the best advertising that you can ever do because they'll go somewhere and they'll say, girl, you smell good. What are you using? Well, that's that elegance by design that I got from, from my girl Q. And I go to her. Here's the website. You can order it. She got all kinds of stuff that she does, and I like it. And I like her because she's good. And so because you have done one-on-one combat, because you've gotten to know that one person who does business with you and not just treated them like they're a number, they will feel more compelled to do A, do business with you, and B, to recommend you to other people. They will become your ambassadors for your business, and that is one of the best things you can have because the more ambassadors you have, the more people who speak well of your business, the more people who um, who are repeat customers, then the cost of acquisition for a customer goes down, and you don't have to work as hard to keep getting repeat business. So those are the ten things, or just ten of them. It's a lot more, but those are the top ten things you can do in order to grow your business, to advertise your business on a budget. We got them all? Yep. We do. Okay. Thoughts, questions? Makes good sense. I think I love the list, and I love the partnership group one the most out of all of them because it gives you however many people are in your group, you have that many different perspectives on your business. And if you pay really close attention to who you allow into your circle, y'all know I call it our well. Well, who you allow mm-hmm. in your well is going to, that's going to determine what they pour into you and what you get out of it. So um, that didn't come out right, but I think y'all know what I was trying to say. <laughs> but, um, no, I agree. you know, who you have around you, you know what I mean? Who you have around you helps to make you better. We have some tough conversations amongst ourselves you know, when we're having our brainstorming conversations. But I think at the end of the day, we always feel like, okay, I made the best decision with people who want the best for my business and are thinking about my budget dollars and my how am I spending my money the best, how am I spending my time the best, how am I leveraging the people around me the best. Like there have been times where we've seen other people post on behalf of each other and then we'll screenshot it and send it to each other. Hey, did you see that? Like, go and get that, you know, share that. And that's for you. We'll, mm-hmm. we, you have to develop that knowledge, that wealth of people around you that are constantly experiencing different things so that you can come back and share that. You are only one person, only one set of experiences at one time. If four or five of you are going through business and experiencing different aspects of it at one time, there's so much growth. That can happen for everybody, not just who's physically moving in that moment. That That is the major key. Like, that was almost bonus worthy right there. <laughs> what you think? What about you, Cousin? Anything? I mean, like I said, it was right up the alley. It's good news. Um, I think the one I like the most is the uh the the free bag lunch you were saying like doing stuff like that where you kind of just you giving people uh, uh uh angle to talk and do stuff but at the same time you're not really putting out a bunch of money to put on the event so you're kind of yeah. getting people together and you're you're making it all work but at the same time it doesn't come out of your pocket which as a promoter 
as a person who does events or anything, whatever your title may be, you know that's one of the biggest wonders and works that you go on is like, how am I going to pay for this, man? I want everybody to have a good time, but it's coming out of me. And, you know, yep. that there is, you know, an angle. So, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. So let me, so let me let's let's get, we got we got a, we got a few minutes and so I mean you just put on your first your first uh, event so I mean what were I mean I guess I'm trying to ask I think I'm trying to get like what were some of the things that you kind of walked away with that you maybe didn't before. Uh, that. Uh, uh, well, learning things. Um, one yeah. is that you always have to start off early. Uh, yeah. You have to also, even though it sounds bad, you have to have an expectation for loss, and that's just because it's going to coach you when you fall. Like, um, mm-hmm. we all feel that we're super great, and our ego doesn't allow us to believe that we can lose. So when we do lose, yeah. it's like uh, a meltdown. If you don't, yeah. if you don't kind of lay to bed so that you can look not, and this is again not saying that you're betting on yourself to lose. It's just like laying the bed because you know that there's a possibility within the land of competition that just like you can win, you can lose. Lay the bed yeah. to be ready for that. Um, yeah, you know those are things that I take away from it, and you know I grow with it. Also, you know. You want to not so much uh, lean on people who are always right next to you, um, not mm-hmm. because you know, not because it's a you can't depend on them type thing. It's just that in the world of business, the market is bigger than your telephone book. So you want to go bigger than your telephone book, so that when the people in your telephone book don't come. It's not again not a direct disappointment to you. Uh, sure. That's just the main thing that I learned is that you don't want things to be a direct disappointment. You want to be bigger than your network. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that's a um, that's a huge one. I mean, that's the, I think I think one of the things that we don't go into into it thinking, which is which is and we should, is that there's a strong possibility your first couple of times you are going to lose. Uh, and by lose meaning lose money because it's new. It, your you know your your process isn't isn't perfected. Your um, you know like you said, people still getting to know you. You know, and I think a lot of that kind of stuff is really is really something that you learn. Uh, and I think that's kind of where the um, you know where you having you meaning as business owners. Um, we have to, you know, just kind of say, listen, like you said, there's a possibility this first couple ones, I'm I'm not gonna make any money. Can I afford it, or can I do this at the level that I can afford, um, and still and give a quality event? But at the same time, you know, I'm gonna learn from it. And I'm gonna keep it moving. So I think that's that's huge insight. Uh, and I think for me, what it also did because I lost too the first couple uh, say you were there at the first live we did. Remember that we did the first live with me, you, and Isha, and it was like initially like two people there, and we were looking like, oh shoot. Um, what we gonna do with these two people? I mean, and, and fortunately, yeah. more people came, but it was, you know, again, it, it was, it wasn't enough to where we made, where where we made money. It was still our first one, and they've gotten better ever since. And that was, and you know, and I drove, and that was a, I said, that was a long drive home back to Chicago, you know, back to Chicago, 
trying to wonder how in the world I just gonna spend all this money, and you know, ten people done showed up to my poor event. So it was, you know, it was tough, man. But you did a good job, man, by the way, um, at your event. So real good job. All right, we got five. We got five minutes left, so we're gonna go ahead and jump in the final words. Uh, Q, you can go first this time. Oh yes, I have. Um, first of all, go get your tickets. Eventbrite dot com forward slash Black Cat Party. Go get your tickets. Uh, but, um, the the real thing that I wanted to share with you guys this week is earlier today. I made a live video, created an event, and shared a few posts discussing Project Blackbird OKC. Next, uh, no, this Friday, October 27th, we'll be sharing a webinar in the scoop um, where we will be discussing in further detail about um, Project Blackbird OKC. You'll be able to hear from Candace Leiser, um, who is like one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, um, and the spearhead of this particular project. And then on November 1st, we scoop and um uh, uh oh my god scoop nation curvy kitten and elegance by design i'm believing i think guys is gonna slide on in there with cool kids entertainment as well but we are hosting a letter writing event we are going to be writing letters to david prater who is the district attorney here in oklahoma um to help free condaleo hall who is a victim of domestic abuse uh, domestic violence who has been sentenced to 30 years in prison for basically not leaving her abuser soon enough. Um, there were children involved. So that's kind of where we're at, at. So check out the link, check out the event and the live video for more details. Hit me up in- See you next week. <laughs> I mean, curvy kitten. That's all right. it really is to say is Curry Kitten. This weekend and birthday, you know, I ain't even talking about my birthday like I'm talking about Curry Kitten. I'm more excited about Curvy Kitten than turning old. So Curvy Kitten, Curvy Kitten, man, y'all better come to this fashion show, Curvy Kitten. You know, I'm trying to tell you. That's all I got to say is Curvy Kitten. All right, so definitely uh, we will, I'm going to echo the same thing. Y'all go get y'all tickets. Get y'all tickets because I want to uh, pack out the house um, and show some support. Um, so other than that, we want to, again, thank y'all for everybody for listening tonight. For everybody who's on the live, um, Scoop Nation, we love you. We appreciate you guys for supporting. Uh, Stephen Thurston, uh, man, thanks for dropping some, you dropped some knowledge on us tonight. Uh, so we appreciate you for coming on and being our uh, guest. Um, what else? Like that? Also, if you haven't downloaded your free copy of New Bowl Exposure, which is our magazine, uh, we want you to go and get that tonight. Uh, again, go to newboatexposure.org. And when you download the magazine, also do me a favor and go over to the store and check out some of uh, the nice uh, T-shirts that we have um, in the New Bowl Exposure store. We have some T-shirts, some mugs. Um, you see pins in there that you can definitely uh, support as well. You could go in there. Uh, also on Wednesdays, tomorrow, starting at 7 o'clock, don't forget, Pastor Burns Senior is on uh, with the Word on Wednesday, so that's the 35, 30-minute Bible study, starting at 7 o'clock. Uh, with him here on Global Drive Network. Uh, and then, last but definitely not least, I'm going to say it one more time. Y'all will get y'all curly kittens. 
Uh, now go get signed to every kid and stuff uh, today. If you like to advertise with us here at Global Drive Network, then you can always email us at globaldrive.com, um, and I will get with you and talk about pricing for um, whether you want a radio, magazine, or social media advertising. Uh, don't forget, of course, to support Miss Teresa Taylor if you are in the Oklahoma City area. Uh, she's with Keller Williams in Central Oklahoma. She is the real deal in terms of realtors, so definitely go and support her. Um, if you don't, if you also don't know, we also have a book club um, that meets every Monday night. So Magnolia Hood is one of our writers for um, Nouveau Exposure. She does a book club every Monday that you definitely don't want to miss. And then, if you're trying to get your fit on, like if you like me, they're preparing for their summer body right now. I'm waiting on my, I want my 2018 summer body now. Uh, I'm going to get my, my tight Eddie Long shirt on recipe, my tight shirt on. Um, so you want to follow Miss uh, Chevy Williams. Uh, and she does a awesome workout uh, segment every day online. Um, or you can go and you can go to her YouTube channel as well and, get, and be a part of that. Um, other than that, the only thing I got is... Um, oh, 2018 Action Plan Party. So the Muddy Mentor Action Plan and Party for 2018. So it is, um, y'all know I'm not a huge, um, I'm not doing no board, vision boards and all that stuff. So I'm going to walk you through how to set up a budget uh, and, set, and set yourself up. I can't do the boards. I just can't do it. Um, <laughs> set yourself up financially for success for 2018. So go to the event. Uh, and do that. And I'm also doing one for business owners while I walk you through the five pillars of business and make sure that you are prepared to be possible in 2018. So with that being said, I appreciate y'all for listening tonight. Hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Um, and then we'll be back next week. Uh, we've got Justice Word Law next week. We're going to be talking about um, a lot of good stuff. So y'all want to be here next week for um, the radio show. Have a good night. Um, oh, cute cousin. Thank y'all for everything you all do. Karen, thank you for everything that you do. You know, she out there trying to help you in pickets tonight. Uh, so we miss you, and we'll see you all next week. Have a good night. Thank y'all for listening. You don't even want love. Then tell me where you're in love. If you could just give. I should just stand it while you stand it here First you say you're with me And then you try to diss me So I try to keep it low when you knock me to the floor Cause I don't wanna cry in tears Would you believe this love is forever gone And would you take this long sweet road And pull it together Try to keep it low when you're 
Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.